So the other day, I sent out an email to my list, and I asked for topics that they wanted to hear or they wanted to cover. And so generally, whenever I do this, I always find that rarely the advice is ever in the middle. And what I mean is that there's two camps. There's either people who are brand new, very beginner, just looking to get started with press handstand or a very limited experience. And then those who are really advanced, who are already at the press handstand level, but want to go further. That means like into the ground lifts and like L sits and V sits to handstands and straddle lifts from the floor to handstand, that kind of thing. So what I am going to do is an episode for both and covering advice for both brand new beginners to press handstand and more advanced practitioners. Now, today's show, I'm going to cover advanced practitioners specifically. And what I mean by advanced is we're going to talk about the lifts required or the lifts beyond press handstand. So a lot of the seated lifts from the ground, V-sits, L-sits to handstands, seated straddle lifts to handstands for all the yoga practitioners, all the third series Ashtanga lifts like Ashtavakrasana to handstand, Lolasana to handstand, all the other variations of things you can do from the ground lifting yourself up. So here's what to do. So people tend to find themselves in a plateau once they get to the press handstand, right? That's the skill where some people will get to and they're good. They're just like, all right, there's my achievement. I'm done. I don't want to go any further than this. And then there's another group of people who want to go further into all the other lifts from the ground, those types of things. But there's always a learning curve between the two of them, which is, it's like the first time again that they hit a, like a real plateau, right? Okay. I'm here to press, but anything beyond that is Now it feels like it's completely out of reach for me. What do I do? Okay. And maybe you're at this level. So if you're somewhere around there, here's the advice that I'll give you. So like anything else, whenever you're new to it, you can make progress really easily, right? It's not too difficult to make progress. And oftentimes general things work for progress. And you start to believe that, well, I can do general things to get specific results for myself. But then later on, as you become more and more advanced, you have to put more time in, in order to see even a fraction of the results or the improvement or the change that you used to. And so first from the psychological level, what I find with practitioners is that the press handstand level is where, and and then advancing beyond that is where progress really starts to slow down. And so that's when sometimes the first time there's like a psychological battle that goes on inside, which is, have I reached my full potential? Have I reached my cap? And then there's actually frustration because typically you're still training as hard. You're still doing things and you're still working just as hard as you were before, but your body isn't changing as quick as it should, or your body isn't Now, you don't feel like you're progressing as fast. But the thing with it that happens, and and this is the main, this is like the main sticky point, which is having, this is where you have to stop and reassess what's going on with your body and where. Like with my clients, I, I like to do an anatomical assessment, meaning 
and this is from the start. This is from even people who are just brand new, my beginner clients. And so that way they have an understanding of why they're limited in the way they move, but not just why they're limited in the way they move, but anatomically what is preventing specific types of movements and what is inhibiting other types of ranges of motion. So there's a clear understanding there. Now, when you get to a press handstand, it's a really good time to reassess this and go back and understand, okay, I have to look at now what's limiting me and what's going on. And so when you're at that level, it's like a good reset button, which is push the reset button, assume you're starting at ground zero and you are now having to climb your way to the top again. So let's just imagine that by getting to a press handstand, you've now put yourself in the top 1% of practitioners out there. But now that you've just got it, you're at the very bottom of that top 1%. And in order to now move up again, you have to hit that reset button, realize I need a new foundation and I have to start from scratch with the beginner eye, even though it's harder to do, the more advanced you get, but it's very powerful to do this and get to work. And, and as I always say, Anyway, like my most advanced practitioners understand this, which is the best never get bored of the basics, which means having foundational and fundamental pieces in place for your training is incredibly important, but also at the same time realizing that having that understanding and understanding that fundamentals and foundational things are good, you have to look at where the gaps are in your foundation or in those fundamental pieces in order to really go to the next level. And so it becomes a lot more specific in training. And so what that looks like is, so typically like the way I like to look at it is the, the target for advanced lifts on the floor, being able to do a V sit up to handstand. And what that means is, and everyone is different in this case, right? There's all sorts, there's different kinds of press handstands, right? Just because five people can all do a press handstand, that doesn't mean that their anatomy is all the same or the strengths and the weaknesses in their body is all the same. So sometimes people will have less moment, less, mo less mobility and more strength and do a press handstand. And sometimes you'll have more strength and less mobility, right? And then that varies for individual muscles. Like sometimes Someone's arms can be weaker than the others. Someone's back could activate more than the others. Someone's hamstrings could be more mobile than the other. Someone's hip flexors could work different in, in, than the others. All slight variations, but still, it's enough for them to get to the press. So in order to get to the next level, the thing that you have to do, and, and again, this is something you can do totally by yourself if you're training on your own, but you have to take the time. So I, I use an app. It's called Complete Anatomy 2023, or it's called Complete Anatomy, but it updates every year. Is take the time in that app to go through and look at the muscles. There's a section in there which allows you to look at the way muscles move and how they affect ranges of movement in the body. Get yourself familiar with those so that at least you can formulate or have a general kind of understanding of the way the muscles work in your body relative to your practice. And then you can make a hypothesis and say, this muscle is creating this 
movement, this muscle is creating this lack of movement, et cetera, et cetera. And then the plan that you make for yourself is you have to decide, okay, which areas of my body specifically do I feel is weakest? Which areas do I feel are the weakest? And I'm going to attack those first. I'm going to attack those specific anatomical points first and then see what happens. And typically what you'll find is that when you're working on your weak points and you're working on your the things in your body that need the most work, that's when you improve the fastest. And that's why beginners tend to make improvements real quickly on things because most of their body is weak and you can quickly start to make changes because everything you work on is your weakness. But as you get better and better at things and you get stronger and stronger, you've got things that now don't improve nearly as much with the same amount of same amount of work because they're just better. That's the strong points, right? That's really the definition of plateaus. Training plateaus is when you've been working on stuff enough to where they become strong points to where when you started with something effectively, you could spend 1% of the time on something and get a 99% improvement, but then it switches where you can spend 99% of your time on something and barely only get a 1% improvement. That's a plateau. So you have to go back and then say to yourself, my number one priority, if I want to advance my practice is I beyond a press handstand is I need to figure out exactly which areas of my body are the weakest so that I can zero in on training on those things. It becomes spot specific, right? It becomes a very spot specific thing, which is large improvements will come from training your weakest links, training the areas in your body that are the weakest. And the more, the more that you can adopt that approach, the more you can keep moving your practice forward. And that's really what you have to do is say to yourself, and this is the question to ask yourself, if you're at press handstand and you're stuck and you want to go further, ask yourself the question, which area of my body is weak and what's preventing me from moving forward? And if you can't answer those questions, that's where you have to pause and your time is far better spent learning the mechanics of your body and the weaknesses currently and assess them honestly. So that way you can make a concerted effort to make those things better. And, and oftentimes like some, some two categories of people, right? Sometimes there's people who just want the end result, which in that case, it gets real difficult. And there's other people who like to learn, right? They like to understand the anatomy, the way their body works. It's crucial for this. It's really crucial to take the time to learn these things and understand these things. So that way you can hone in on them because then once you do get there and once you do get, once you get to that understanding, Knowing that, but then working on that and being correct in your assumption or in your analysis and saying, yeah, this is weak. This is what's going on. Your practice will start to improve, right? Your practice will, will literally start to improve. There's nothing that is more, there's nothing that's, that is more surefire for improvement than understanding the muscles in your body that are weak or are not conditioned to work in ways that you want them to work and work on conditioning those muscles to work in new ways or to work on the muscles that are weak and make them stronger. It's the fastest way to improve your body. And getting to that, getting to that, and that's the whole approach we take on our program is just, well, understand your weakness. I think the 
the, the greatest gift that I can give to people is not do this exercise, do this exercise, do this. It's giving them, it's giving them the certainty and the understanding that, okay, this is the point or part of your body that's weak. And when you train, this is the change that will happen in the way your body moves. And when you train with that level of certainty, it makes it far easier to not only improve, but it makes it far easier to keep going. Because I know what it's like when you get to a certain point in your practice and you get to a certain level in your training, especially when you're used to quick improvements, the problem is that the more advanced you get, the harder you have to work for less improvement, for less of a gain. And that's where like frustration kicks in. And that's where the psychological side kicks in, because then there's always the question of, well, is what I'm doing correct? Is what I'm doing moving me forward? Is what I'm doing creating that the environment necessary for my body to improve? And then you've got that side of it, which is like the the psychological seed of doubt, which is sometimes I don't know what's working and sometimes I think it's working, but it's not, or it's not improving at the speed that I want it to improve at. The, the best advice I could give you for this is to understand that progress sometimes is about slowing down versus speeding up. It's not always speeding through everything. It's not always about like moving through things quickly In fact, like one of my mantras for training is to make haste slowly. And what that means is move quickly through things. I mean, progress through all the skills and things you want to learn. But at the same time, give yourself enough time to actually improve. Because this is the point in your practice, if you are more advanced, where you start to be, you almost start to drive yourself mad, which is... I'm training every day. I'm not seeing improvement. So I'm going to try something else. And then I'm going to try something else. And then I'm going to do this for a little bit and it doesn't work. And then I'm going to try something else. And then I'll try something else again. And then you jump around too much, right? This is the madness part of the training, the madness phase, so to speak, where you try something, it doesn't work and you you keep jumping around too much. And then as a result, you don't improve, right? Because you can't stick to anything. And especially because in society where today we are more, what's a good way to describe it? We're more instantaneous than ever, right? We like things quick. We like our Amazon packages delivered to us in 20 minutes. We like our information instantly, right? We want to know something, we type it into Google. So our attention span gets shorter. And I used to think, I used to subscribe to the theory, now I don't. Doing the same thing over and over is the definition of madness or insanity. But now I think doing the same thing over and over is the mark of a genius. It's like the the issue with training now is, is people don't stick to things long enough and they, they end up changing course or changing direction long before they've ever seen something play out. And from that perspective and from that point of view, the reality of it is post-press handstand, progress slows down, right? It, your body is just not going to progress as quickly as it did, but then this is where the psychological battle comes in, meaning I have to, I have to just stick with things and you have to be able to troubleshoot and, and figure it out, right? Like in a good amount of time to stick with something is anywhere between, you know, two and four months, like three months, right? If you're working on a specific body part, make a concerted effort 
for that amount of time and, and measure the results, right? Measure the results. And, and one of the other things to do, this is probably another really solid piece of advice for you, is that let's say, for example, you are training your hip flexors, right? Since hip flexors are a big one for a lot of advanced practitioners, you should have a list of when you say, I'm going to train my hip flexors, what does that look like? That doesn't mean I'm going to do them sometimes or I'll try to do them. What training, what specifically training a body part looks like, meaning, okay, if I'm going to train the hip flexors, this is how the hip flexors affect movement. These are baseline exercises where I can gauge the strength of my hip flexors. Now, let me, as I'm training them, go back to my benchmarks to check in with those to ensure that what I'm doing is actually improving. Because when it comes to these advanced lifts and it comes to these, these more intricate movements, the, the thing that you also may not realize but is incredibly important is that the, it's like the opposite in this case, is that, is that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Meaning you can train body parts and you may feel like you are making a little bit of progress in training those body parts to make them stronger. But that one specific area of your body is having an X is creating an exponential improvement in the lift that you're trying to create. And so by adding up and doing all of those little pieces the sum becomes bigger than what may what it may feel like training all those individual anatomical pieces. And can it be boring? Yes, it can be boring. It can be. But training doesn't always have to be exciting. In fact, I think I, I think the most effective training is boring training, which is do what do the things specifically that you need to do. Is training the hip flexors boring? Yeah. Is training a specific body part to be stronger or to work in the context of the functionality that you're trying to create boring? Yeah. And this is where this is the other thing to really pay attention to is when people get bored, they tend to think they're on the wrong track, right? The wrong path. Boring typically tends to be better. Otherwise, what happens, and this is the other area that I find more advanced practitioners go off the rails, is they think that the training has to be more complex and more advanced. And so all of a sudden they're doing all of a sudden they're doing more strange. They're doing so many like complicated, complex things. And I know like social media loves to glorify this, which is I'm doing like, I'm doing a pistol squat while jumping rope and holding a kettlebell in the left hand and crunching with the right hand. You know what I'm talking about? Like you see these things that are really advanced and you want to try them thinking that they're going to be effective in any way, shape or form, but it's more for show. It's more for likes and it's more for, it's more for clicks and attention than it is actual functionality improvement. But this is where I see a lot of advanced practitioners go. I was looking at, I was looking at a client of mine, a new client of mine, their, their, what their training regimen was and at what their training regimen was for, again, this is, this is someone who can already do a press handstand that's looking to go further. And somehow it was like a mishmash of like kettlebells, like TRX and all sorts of other things like mixed together in the training. And it was like more quote unquote, advanced exercises and intricate exercises, but no real focus anatomically. And that's where that's another thing to consider, which is if I want direction in my practice, a boring practice with an anatomical focus is far more effective 
than no focus, no anatomical focus, and advanced, intricate Instagram social media-like exercises that kind of just, yeah, they're fun to do. It's, yeah, it's great. I can try and do this and that and balance on a kettlebell while doing crunches and swinging through TRX ropes. Yeah, that's all fun and that's great. It's fun to try, but is it really effective at building up the areas in your body that you need to build? Having that focus is most important. I just looked at the time. It's over 20 minutes already. So I'll wrap it up here. Now, if this was helpful for you, if this was useful, my social media is in the show notes below. You can tag me in a story on Instagram and just let me know what you learned, how you're going to apply it to your practice, et cetera, et cetera. And if you are enjoying this show, there's a couple of ways you can support it. Number one, you can share it with someone who you feel like would benefit from it. If you know someone who would benefit from the stuff I share on this, the greatest thing you can do to help support it is to just share the show. And two, you can take some time to leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcast episodes. And that way it just helps the algorithm and helps to get the show out to people who would benefit the most from it. All right. So that's what I've got for you on today's show. Have a good rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon.